welcome to another episode of WDMA Open and Close. I'm Mike O'Brien, CEO of the Window and Door Manufacturers Association. I want to get a plug-in up front for the upcoming WDMA Technical and Manufacturing Conference, which is coming up on June 25th to the 27th in Minneapolis. Coming up on this podcast is WDMA's Jeff Inks, who will be talking with Brad Fievel from Marvin about a topic that's being featured at the conference, and one, frankly, that I don't think gets enough attention, which is rating products using the WDMA IS-11 industry standard for analytical method for design pressure ratings of fenestration products. For more information on the conference and to register, visit WDMA.com. A little later, I'll have a conversation with Greg Jansen of Styles Machinery about innovations and trends in the use of machinery in the industry. As a reminder, you can subscribe to WDMA Open and Close through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also listen to us online through the WDMA website at wdma.com slash WDMA Open and Close. We'll be right back, so stay with us. Hello, everyone. I'm Jeff Inks, Vice President for Advocacy here at WDMA. And as Mike noted in the introduction, uh, joining us now on the podcast is Brad Fievold, who is the Director of Regulatory Affairs at Marvin. For a little background on Brad, uh, he started with Marvin back in 1989, working in research and development. For much of his career, he led product development and research, supporting new product introductions, and ensuring products were certified and compliant. That work led him to his current role today, bridging product strategy with a collaborative leadership role within the codes and standards development environment. Brad is also deeply involved with the Window and Door Manufacturers Association and has served for many years on several WDMA committees, including the Exterior Product Standards Committee, which he currently chairs. And in addition, he also serves on the Exterior Products Code Committee, the Technical Committee, Hallmark Committee, and Legislative Committee. Brad has also been an active member on the Joint Document Management Group, which is responsible for reviewing and updating the North American Fenestration Standard, or NAFS. Uh, on that committee, he holds one of the four voting seats for WDMA, and he is also currently co-chair. So we're very pleased also that Brad will be a featured speaker at the upcoming WDMA Technical and Manufacturing Conference, as Mike noted, and his presentation there is entitled Analysis Paralysis or Not, a look at the revised IS-11 standard. Brad, welcome to the podcast. So uh, regarding the IS-11 standard, can you just give us a, a kind of a high-level overview of the standard and what it can be used for? Sure, I can do that. Really, there's two ways to rate and certify windows and doors. Most often, manufacturers physically test their products to the relevant test standards. And often, this includes building and shipping products to third-party test labs. I see the IS-11 standard as an additional tool manufacturers can use to better leverage their physical testing. Essentially, this describes, excuse me, this standard describes analytical methods for obtaining design pressure ratings of fenestration, which we all know includes windows, doors, and skylight products, and without physically testing them. This standard is used in conjunction with physical testing, hence can be used to enhance a total product certification strategy. And, and to better illustrate this, let me give an example. If Marvin tests a three foot by four foot fixed window to a design pressure of 40, they may later on decide that they want to sell larger windows. And this standard helps do that by using this analytical method. So let's use an example of a four foot by five foot. That would be larger than that three foot by four foot. 
the IS-11 standard provides a guidance to calculate the larger size design pressure. And you can expect that going larger than the design pressure will be lower than the original tested product. And we can do this in the inverse. You can actually test, use the same standard to calculate design pressure for units smaller than the tested product. And as expected, that smaller test unit design pressure likely will be greater than the original larger tested size. So this standard is essentially two parts, total product comparative analysis for units smaller than tested size, and then total product extrapolation analysis for units larger than tested size. So one of the, what I think one of the great advantages then of, of the standard is that it allows you to determine the design pressures of different sizes within a product line without having to test all of those sizes. That's exactly right, Jeff. So Brad, the standard was updated last year, uh, taking it from the 2013 edition to the current 2018 edition. Can you give us a brief summary of what uh, those recent updates are in the IS-11? Sure. There are several changes, but, but I can boil it down into a couple of key updates. First, we added a Microsoft Excel, excuse me, Microsoft Office Excel spreadsheet tools to the standard and provided examples. This included a spreadsheet for fixed, casement, and double-hung windows. And we plan to have more as we continue to update this standard. By plugging in existing test size data and test results into the spreadsheet, uh, the, the, the spreadsheet then will use the uh, formulas within the spreadsheet to calculate the design pressures for the new size. A second key change had to do with including operating units into the scope for the total product extrapolation. That wasn't part of it prior to the change. That is allowing a larger operating casement to be calculated based on smaller casement tested size. So that, that change in and of itself is, is pretty significant. Now, really, both those changes are significant. I think uh, adding the spreadsheets is, is one way to make the method less daunting and easier to use for everybody. Of course, you still need and registered PEs professionals to, to sign off on the, the work. But they're the hopefully helping to, uh, to, to streamline the work. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So anyway, if you're not involved with the development of technical standards such as IS-11 on a frequent basis, uh, the use of them is, you know, can be a little daunting and a bit elusive in the, uh, the minds of, of manufacturers. Can you tell us a little bit of how kind of boil that down a little bit to how the rating system in IS-11 is applied? Sure. So WDMA has a certification program called Hallmark. And so Marvin uses Hallmark uh, almost exclusively. Within this program, manufacturers can mix both physical testing by a third-party test lab, with the analytical analysis by, the, by a licensed professional engineer in developing, executing, and then certifying an entire product line. And of course, the tool, the IS-11 standard, is part of that process. Using both will get the most of a manufacturer's, you know, out of a manufacturer's test plan. And so we need to work closely with WDMA uh, as a manufacturer, and we can then obtain the targeted ratings for the targeted product, products we, we want in our uh, in the most optimized fashion. In the end, these ratings tie back into the product labels. So as we know, structural performance ratings for windows, doors, and skylights are always a key component of a product launch. Do you see the recently revised IS-11 standard as a complementary and a viable solution for structural product ratings for code compliance? Yes, absolutely. But just to caution, it's imperative to work closely with your third-party certification organization, like WDMA's Hallmark program, to use it effectively. Putting together a well-planned-out test strategy, coupled with the standard well in advance of the launch, is important. 
and it also will help with managing the project's budget by optimizing physical testing and engineering analysis to get the biggest bang for your company's buck. So it's really, really important. Get it done. Plan this out in advance. Work with your third-party certification program, and then do that in advance so that you're ready when you're launching. You've got products already labeled, already certified, and all everything ties together uh, effectively when you launch. And that will hopefully help avoid any kind of delay in the in the use of your products in the market. That's absolutely right. Yeah. So, um, are there standardized ratings outputs? We you talked about a uh, the spreadsheet before, but are there standardized rating outputs from the standard that can be used for the WDMA Hallmark certification program or other uses, such as by design professionals or? when they're selecting or specifying products and also for code officials when they're looking for products that comply with the code requirements. Yes, uh, but these need to, again, tie back to the physical testing reports and each company's third-party certification programs, like WDMA's Hallmark, to properly rate and label the products. Uh, WDMA has a website that allows design professionals and building code officials to actually go into the site, easily look up rated products for the particular manufacturer they're interested in, and they should be able to do that. And they would do that, especially if they don't have access to the product labels. As we know, sometimes customers pull their labels off before maybe a building official gets into that building. So, Yes, and that can, be, that can definitely be problematic. All right, well, to wrap up this, this segment, as we indicated in the introduction, uh, you will be one of our featured speakers at the WDNA's upcoming Technical and Manufacturing Conference uh, in a few weeks. And we had mentioned that you will be making this presentation. Can, without giving away the entire presentation, can you just give us a kind of a final teaser for the for, for your presentation there at the at the conference? I can do that, Jeff. Yeah, I'm actually very excited to share how this tool can be leveraged further into our ratings program. You know, I've tried to identify how we can use it at Marvin's, and I don't think it's fully leveraged all the time by all manufacturers. I will just to let you know. I'm not the only one who's going to be presenting or speaking. So I will also have several others who will be participating, including licensed professional engineers from both uh, Marvin and Colby. That includes John Sokoviak and Ken Wilcox. They'll be there sharing a few examples and participating in the Q&A at the end of the presentation. So hopefully with me sharing the, the IS-11 standard and kind of the components of that, they fit in with some of the examples and then they're there to answer questions from the audience. So uh, we're looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. and. Uh, Looking forward to uh, a few more weeks, right? Another four weeks, five weeks? We're about uh, four weeks out, yep. And again, we're looking forward to that presentation as well. We think it's uh, going to provide a lot of takeaways for manufacturers or individuals that are not familiar with IS-11 as others, or maybe not use it or take it, I guess just to say, take advantage, full advantage of it uh, that it affords. So Brad, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. We look forward to hearing uh, your full presentation at our technical manufacturing conference next month in Minneapolis. All right. Thanks. Founded in 1965, Styles Machinery is a leading provider of advanced manufacturing solutions for the window and door industry, as well as many other manufacturing sectors. Styles provides world-class machinery backed by an experienced support team, an extensive parts inventory, unique upgrade capabilities, and a nationally accredited education and training program. Headquartered in Grand Rapids, Michigan, 
Styles offers expertise in manufacturing with a wide range of materials, including wood, plastics, composites, carbon fiber, glass, stone, and non-ferrous metals. With me today to discuss some of the machinery trends in the industry is Greg Jansen, eTech Managing Director for Styles. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you having me. So, Greg, we usually like to start out these discussions with a little bit of background on the company. So, what can you tell us about Styles? Styles is a total solutions provider to the industry itself. And when I say that, I'm not talking about just machinery solutions, but also the fact that we do have an accredited university that is utilized in not only maintenance services, but operational training for our equipment and other production machinery in the woodworking industry. This is tied to a university, so these uh, attendees do get accreditation towards a degree. We also have 180 uh, installation and troubleshooting technicians based in 29 states around the country. Uh, This we set up because we wanted to get to our customers quicker and in a more professional way than have them travel from maybe one of the five offices that we have in the U.S. Uh, We have a parts system that is fully operated and automated by Styles Machinery. So it it tracks our customers' trends, their usages, and also tries to find better solutions for them by looking at their operation and purchasing history that allows us to come to them with a better solution down the road. And then also Styles hosts uh, at least three times a year what we call a trend and manufacturing seminar. And what we work on there is not only showing the equipment that we have, but we do have conferences with customers that come to us and say, what are you struggling with? What are you seeing coming down the road? And then working with our industry suppliers and saying, is is this a technology that we can assess today? Or if we need to come down the road later with that. And from that, lastly, what we do also is we provide tech tours to Europe and to China for American suppliers. They can actually see technology used in different ways, maybe totally different environments than they're seeing it today, but open up opportunities in the future for them. Well, a lot more than just uh, selling machinery. So I'm really curious, uh, especially about this university. So who, who attends, what's involved, and how does it work? Yeah, well, today, the majority of the people who attend are either maintenance personnel inside these facilities or machine operators. And so it's people who already have equipment in the industry or maybe new customers looking, and they will send those personnel. They're either three or five day classes held here in Grand Rapids at our facility here. We have uh, 31 different machines set up in our facility that we can do break fix and we can do operational training, program training, And we're tied to Pittsburgh State University in Kansas, and that is where the uh, wood technology accreditation comes through. So these attendee credits actually work with Pittsburgh State towards a wood technology degree if a student chose to go that far. So I know you guys serve a lot of different industry sectors. So how does, does that affect the curriculum? I mean, do you split people up based on what industry they work in or is it just solely based on the use of the machinery? 
Yeah, we, we do a little of both. Um, we do offer like specifically to an industry. If you, uh, the other side is is if it's in an edge banding situation or a uh, router operation or something in sanding, we use our equipment as well as some of our competitors' equipment so that they get trained on that operational side and what we call break fix, which says the machine breaks down. We teach them how to search, find, and then fix those errors on not only our equipment, but on, let's say, that technology type. Wow, that's fascinating. I did not realize the depth of the training that you guys were conducting. So tell me, how did you get involved with Styles? I know you've been there a long time. Yeah, I actually came to Styles to do three days inventory because, well, I jokingly say it, but it's real. My parents made me come help my brother. And uh, after being here for three days, they said, well, would you like to stay till the end of the school year? We have some other projects. And as I now say, 39 years later, uh, they must have thought I did okay because they kept me and I I do a a lot of different things. Uh, I've been through every part of styles except selling machines. I've never been a machinery salesman, but the rest of our business and industry operations, I've had some piece of over that time period. So I, I imagine 39 years, you've seen a lot of evolution along the way uh, in the industry. Yeah, I don't think computers existed when I started with this, which been, I'll, I'll say, the most interesting part, plus the robotic side. And you know, it used to be a few push buttons and a thumb wheel, yeah. how you set your machine to operate. And today, uh, that is so antiquated, I don't think you could even start. The technology today even that we utilize and some of our competitors have is is that the computer screen on the machine that is a, a touch system fully integrated probably has more technology power than we had as a whole company 30, even 30 years ago. So what are some of the machinery challenges you're seeing with respect to the window and door industry? Part of that is difficult because you say the window and door industry is pretty broad-based. When you have, uh, let's say, a single level smaller machine operation entities versus some of the large uh, major production people. I think the big challenge we see is that technology overseas, uh, when you talk Germany and China, is advancing so quickly and changes so fast because of looking at cutting down on waste, looking at inspection of product when it comes in the door and how do you utilize Uh, let's say, defect recognition into your facilities. And so here in the U.S., there are people who use differing scales of that in their operations. But to truly understand what each one has as a challenge, you have to get into them. And and I think a lot of times as a machinery supplier, if you look at us as that at start, you get categorized. So a challenge is, is truly knowing and understanding their need and realizing that the access to many solutions is there. It's having them see and believe that the right solution is available. And then the deliverable of that is where it's becoming more and more of a challenge. Machines that you used to be able to get in four to six months are now a year. And technology changes in that time period that, in a sense, would make it easier for them in the long run. But that upfront discussion uh, is the difficult one to have. So how can styles help the industry of overcome some of the current challenges they're facing? 
I believe, and we've discussed this here at Styles about doing more of these, uh, I'll call it industry-based trend meetings. We used to have the an executive conference that we ran where we invited players in the marketplace from large to small to come and talk to us about what their needs and issues were, and then really looking at our technology from that side. The other side is, is we have the ability now to connect our customers to Homeag, which is one of the major machinery suppliers in the world, as well as really innovative technology company in, in robotics and other solutions like that that we didn't have three to five years ago. So part of it is access to the customers coming to us and saying is what styles used to be doesn't exist, but also us helping them see that there are solution opportunities out there that they, they may not even understand are available. Part of that is, is like Ligna, which is coming up in uh, Hanover, Germany, the end of May, is a great event in the wood industry because everybody brings their newest technology there to show. And we then take it to our facilities here in North America, specifically our facility down in North Carolina. And uh, it, it's access of those businesses to come in, look and have a feel of what is there, and then really having more of a consultative conversation about what their needs are and how we could possibly be a supplier for that. So what are some of the, what are some of Styles' current challenges and opportunities? I, I think like many, it is finding uh, personnel today that have, uh, let's say, a broader base of skills. Uh, you really need in, in, the, in this business level to not only have a salesman anymore. It's more of a, a consultant and people who can know and understand carry a lot of trust uh, because you deal with in that, in our industry, in the window and door industry, competitors to each other where you don't share and can't share conversations that would cross over from two or three. That group of personnel is difficult to find. The other is, is that regulations, how different states here in the U.S., handle how you handle wood waste and sanding issues, finishing issues are things that it's, it's a challenge for us to know and understand all of those. And I really believe, I'll just say from my involvement over the last couple of years in the WDMA, it's helped us because the information we've gotten out of that has allowed us to say is, okay, now we know and understand some things that are going on differently in Oregon or in Minnesota or up in Connecticut that we can actually come in a little more educated in our solutions, knowing the problems these people are dealing with. But finding that information is not always easy, and uh, having the right people involved is becoming more difficult. When you mention something like the regulation of wood waste, or, or do you find that your customers are expecting solutions from Styles to help come up with you know, easier ways to comply? Yeah, we have had a lot more people approach us on that in the last two years. If you look at even dust extraction solutions, it used to be is, yeah, you extracted dust, it went to a bin inside or outside, and then it went to a dumping point. And today there's a lot more issues on how much of that dust is not captured inside the system. And then what can you do to utilize that in a different way, but also machinery that cuts down on the amount of waste from that operation that occurs. And 
So we do get approached with that more today. And uh, we have worked with some really good companies on providing those solutions. Difficult point is, is, once again, how do you get out to the broad base of customers to know that we have that ability uh, when, when a website or one person doesn't really do justice to those kind of conversations. So what does the future look like for Styles as it relates to innovation coming down the road? Or what can you divulge to <laughs> me uh, on the podcast? Uh, you know, I think there's some interesting things that, that have started to come. And a little bit of that is, is uh, robotics operations. I mean, when people talk AI and other details of that, it's such a broad piece. But the utilization of, of robotic solutions into the wood industry has kind of just really started to take off. And uh, solutions such as, as some people would have a large line to produce parts in the past, and now you can do it with a, a robot with a motor and an end of tool unit on it and you can do flexible manufacturing with that uh, we have some information and operational systems coming out from the home ag group where all the way up to if interested the president of a company could look at real-time operation of all of his equipment and know and understand hourly operations shifts what downtime changes occurred how long it took different shifts to run an operation and you can get down to really right down to one unit on a machine and how efficient it's actually operating. And this is a cloud-based technology that not only they can look at, but if they're willing to share with us, we can utilize to look at saying is how do we help them improve their business operations just by knowing and understanding how they're utilizing their technology at that time in their facility. Um, I really think robotics, is a place where the wood industry, in a sense, has been behind, let's say, automotive in the past. And the, the operational abilities that are coming at us are uh, beyond what I ever saw. And do they cost? Well, some things cost. But I think if you really look at the ability and the flexibility it gives you, plus the fact that most of the time it takes significantly less space to put this kind of system in, uh, the benefits are really uh, exponential. Well, when you talk about robotics, there's already some of that now, correct? That's correct. Yeah. And a, you, a robot isn't new. Uh, right. What it is, it's how they're integrated into the systems and how they can be utilized. Uh, one of the partners we work with is KUKA. Uh, most people can go look at KUKA's site today, and they have what they call a ready-to system. Um, what people misunderstand when they look at it is, is that, oh, we've seen this before. And the reality is, is what, what's happened between the people we've partnered with is, is that robot comes truly ready to operate with one program system. Uh, in the past, when you tried to utilize a robotic system into, into most people's solutions, there was an integrator program for that system and a program for the unit itself. And this now has been, uh, in a sense, co-hosted into one control, one integration system. And other than teaching the robot the piece you want it to utilize on, it's fully operational when it comes in your door. They are also more multifaceted than they were in the past. Well, it's the future, future of work. It is the future. So you touched on this a little bit a few minutes ago, but 
as a member of WDMA, what do you feel are the main benefits that Styles gets out of being a member? Uh, as I said before, I think part of it for me was, is even though I'd been at Styles for 39 years, I really got involved in the WDMA almost three years ago. Uh, and looking back at the history of what we benefited from, it, it was access to information. It was valuable uh, details in knowing and understanding the trends that our, those customers and those other members saw. But the big piece for me over the last couple of years is really on the WDMA's side of knowing and understanding what's going on in the industry from that regulation and other operational pieces that are coming at us from whether it's local, state, or federal government rulings and how that affects the overall business operation. And that detail is valuable to us. It allows us to be more flexible in when we're dealing with even customers not in the window and door industry to know these kind of operational situations could occur or are coming at us and allows us also to go back to our main supplier, Home Egg, and say, these are the challenges that are coming at to the North American uh, manufacturing and production facilities. How do we come with the right solution to do so? And, and I think without the WDMA, we may find that out, but we don't find it out in, in the, what I'll call the professional way or in such a concentrated ability. It would come from multi areas and that's very difficult to disseminate all of that somewhere else. So one last question, Greg, that we'd like to ask folks who do the podcast, what's something about you, Greg Jansen, that would surprise people? Yeah, I, uh, See, those who really know me, I'll say this. I, I am kind of a sports buff. Uh, only close friends really know, but I have a significant sports card autograph collection. And I made a goal that for every year I was alive, I would have every professional Hall of Famers autograph. I have it in baseball all the way back to 1950. I have it in football back to the same time. And one of those uh, passions of mine that most people probably don't know about. That's great. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty fascinating. I'm sure if, I don't know how much room it takes up, but it's great. And my wife says it's a waste of money. I tell her it's something advancing our retirement time. <laughs> and <laughs> stick to that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks so much for joining us in the podcast, Greg. We really appreciate your insights. Michael, I appreciate the time and I wish everybody positive business success. Thank you. Thanks. And that does it for another episode of WDMA Open and Close. If you are listening to us, your favorite podcast platform, do us a favor and don't forget to subscribe and rate us. Thanks for listening and goodbye until the next episode of WDMA Open and Close.